Welcome to My Mind with Stefan Taylor. We, we, I say we, but it's really just me sitting here talking into a microphone, just having a really good conversation with myself, which is, um, you, you kind of get used to doing as a, um, as, as a hospitality professional, you learn to just really be comfortable talking to yourself and trying to try to convince yourself of certain things um whether it's a good situation or a bad situation just trying to like either psych yourself into it or psych yourself out of it there's been many a time before service where i've had you know triple shot long black and i'm just walking up and down the kitchen line saying to myself it's gonna be busy it's gonna be busy it's gonna be busy and generally it Usually always is. I think that's why a lot of um, hospitality people should probably do a podcast because you're just so comfortable talking to yourself. And a lot of the time you're talking um, just just in general, you know, you just, it's like nonstop. The stuff that you talk about in the kitchen is, or what's, you know, what stays in the kitchen, what's said in the kitchen stays in the kitchen most of the time unless it's um something really offensive then it goes to other channels but for the most part whatever's said there is said there you know it's just like oh that wild time remember that guy was talking about that thing doing that thing crazy what a crazy time we live in and you kind of learn to really that's where like the your 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 humor either gets really dark or really, <laughs> yeah, it does. It just gets really dark. It just gets really dark and twisted. And sometimes you don't really want to see how far you can take the rabbit hole. But as I've said before, it's pretty fun. Pretty fun to see how far you can take a joke before people just start going, that's just weird. It's not really funny anymore. Talking about weird, how about music, right? Now you're going to have to listen to me talk about music and the evolution of music. From my point of view, I think um, a, th- a thing that really gets me now is that maybe 70 years ago, 60 or 50 years ago, a long uh, decades ago, there was not that many sub-genres of music. There was a lot, but there wasn't as many as there are today. I think um, like it was like rock, hair metal, you know. Well, that's not even that. That's probably like newer than 50 or 60 years ago. But um, there's just so much music. There's so much music now like and genres. There's so many sub-genres of music. Like a big genre when I was younger was like... Um, goth or like emo or like heavy metal and then there was like the sub genre of it. it was like screamo and then there was just like it wasn't screaming but it was like this really loud growl <laughs> and then it was screaming you know there was like it was there was different there was like they were all heavy metal but some would sing in like a kind of pop, poppy way. And then some would sing in this weird, not weird, this screamo thing, whether it be a growl or a scream, and that's how the whole song would be sang. But now, like, and that genre of being emo or goth got popular when I was younger, but you could be, you, you could still be like socially outcast. And a lot of my, um, a lot of my close friends and family, um, have been, I guess, listening to that style of music. I mean, you know, everybody changes over time for the most part, but um, you still like got your hooks into a lot of this music and you're, um, and uh, it just, it gets really, it gets really skewed now, like the views and what, um, what like the sub genres are like there's so many it's really 
it's confusing. There's just so many. I won't list them all because that's just that's a feat in itself. And if I'm honest, I can't really remember. But it's just when I was younger, um, being goth or emo, like I said, is like was being kind of um, an outsider. And there was music specifically written, whether it be a marketing ploy or the actual artists were feeling this, but it was designed for people that didn't have a voice. And it gained popularity because a lot of kids felt that music and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And like emo was like this massive thing, emo being emotional rock, I guess. I personally was into a genre called love metal, which was um, a band called him and 69 eyes and like turbo negro and like cky and clutch and that kind of like heavy metal which was like way different to uh say uh, a trey you and like afi and all that kind of stuff but then you know it was it was okay to like that music and now being like the definition of being goth was like anti-establishment. I want to be on my own. I don't like many people and I'm happy with that. And now there's like this weird subgenre called, well, it's not even like a subgenre now. It's probably like a genre and it's called pop goth where you can be popular, but be goth, right? So like it contradicts itself when you can be, when you can like have a popular song, be gothic. Like it's so strange that goth, by definition, you know, means that you're like anti-establishment, anti-like popularity and that kind of stuff. But there's this genre of like being popular and being goth. So you can write like goth music and and it can be like really popular and that's like a thing now. And it's just... it it blows my mind how contradictory it is for one. And, you know, people make money or more power to them, eh? you know, like people got to earn, people got to hustle for sure. Like I'm all about it. Um, you know, if you, if you're doing something and you love doing it, you know, why shouldn't you make money from it for sure? But it's, but can, can you call it like not pop goth? Can you call it something that's not like a contradiction of itself? It'd be like saying, um, you know, slow, heavy metal <laughs> or like um, really s- smooth, hard rock, <laughs> you know, like they contradict themselves, you know, it's just like not a really, yeah, I don't know. It's a strange thing. It's a strange thing that like pop golf is like a, a genre now when it being meaning the opposite. I personally like like um a fair amount of heavy metal. I'm not like a crazy fan. I you know, if it comes on I'll listen to it. You know, there's some really good heavy metal bands out there. And um a lot of these bands like they've got like this really unique kind of cult following, which is like really cool. I'm all about that, you know, like being a Deadpool reader for no oh, more than ten years, and then <laughs> the movie coming out, and then it's like, oh, mainstream Deadpool, so cool. And you know, like, yeah, I like Deadpool before. It's hard to say that because, like, you can't not sound like like an idiot <laughs> when you say that you like something before it was cool because there's no evidence. All you've got is your word to back it up. All you can say is like, oh. I liked Deadpool before, before he was popular. Even though when I was reading it, he was popular. He was popular to me and that was awesome, you know? It's like when, um, I guess, yeah, you know, like Game of Thrones as well. Like you can't be, you know, you can't just say, oh, I read the books. The books were better than the show. The show's pretty awesome. Like I've never read the book. But the show's pretty good. And there's no evidence. You, you can't just say, 
oh, I read the book. I don't need to watch the show. I read the book. Wouldn't you want like a visual representation of it? That's what I like look forward to the most with like the Deadpool movie coming out was that there was like a, a motion picture about him for one, about his origin story. And there's like a visual representation of him that wasn't like stills or in a cartoon where he was played out to be this weirdo uh, idiot. So like, it was awesome for me when the movie came out. I wasn't like against it. I wasn't like hateful towards it. You know, like a lot of people get weird. It's like, oh, they shouldn't make a movie about that. You know, there's plenty of other things you can make a movie about, but not, not some weirdo anti-hero. Antihero is cool, man. Look at Wolverine. He's cool. Wolverine's cool. Deadpool's cool. She's another antihero. Taskmaster. Taskmaster's cool. For all you like comic book weirdos, who's another antihero. Black Widow's kind of an antihero because she is an, an espionage spy. And I think her origin story is she like turncoats on the KGB at the time. And um, becomes a shield agent. Like, that's pretty anti, you know? Anyway, tangent, tangent and off. Um, going back to the kind of genre of music and like heavy metal, I found through all my extensive research that I've not really done, but I've met a lot of people and one of my close friends and a couple of my family members are like super into Metallica, which is awesome. You know, like more power to them. You know, they, you know, like what you want for sure. But I found with like a lot of Metallica fans, it's, um, it's either you like it a hundred percent and you like the old stuff a hundred percent. And then anything after like a newer album is not really that good. (laughs) Or you like all of it, no matter what, or you just don't like Metallica. There's like, that's, that's in my experience. That's what I've found is that you either really like the band. You kind of like the, you either love it, love all their albums, or you only like their old stuff. Or you just don't like Metallica. For me, I'm like that weird 10% where it's like, yeah, it's it's cool. I'll listen to it if it's on. If it came on a playlist and then it started playing, I would listen to it. I wouldn't switch it off. If I... I wouldn't go out of my way. I don't think I would buy a Metallica album. I think I had three Metallica albums and they were all like... um, kind of my my godfather's um albums which i you know you just weirdly inherit things over the over the course of a time and um so i'll give you an example right so one of my best friends um he's loves metallica i i would say he still loves metallica and i thought out of the goodness of my heart i would play him a metallica song to like you know, value the friendship and say, you know, I learned this Metallica song for you, man. You know, I hope you can appreciate it. And I started playing it and within 10 seconds of me playing it, he was, no, 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 no deal. No deal. Stop playing. Stop. No, shut it down. Shut it down. This is not the Metallica song. This is not Metallica. You are not playing Metallica. This right here, no, no, it's not going down. And then he got the guitar off me and and he can't play guitar very well. And he starts trying to play it with like three strings. And it, I was so taken back. I, I didn't, I can't remember what I said, but I think I said, you know, um, mate, I'm just trying to do something nice for you. <laughs> and he was like, just having none of it. Diehard Metallica fan. Just was having none of my guitar playing. I'm not a really... I'm like a campfire guitar player. You know, I can master... I've mastered seven chords and that's about... 
a thousand songs. <laughs> and that that's enough, really, isn't it? You don't really need to know all that unless you're gonna like play in a band and like do funky stuff like that. But I'm quite happy to play guitar for myself. And I sing, I sing along with the guitar because I enjoy it. I don't sing it to like advance my position or try and get gigs or like try and impress people. Like I just do it because I enjoy it. I think that's like a thing that I struggled to learn while I was trying to learn guitar was trying to please other people while I was playing. When really, if you're playing the instrument in your room, practicing to play in front of people and you get more enjoyment out of just sitting there playing it by yourself, then maybe don't play in front of people. Maybe just do it in your in your bedroom and just keep playing to yourself because that's still fun. That's great fun. I love doing it. Um, can't say I've done it of late. This is actually my new hobby is just um, sitting here having like a conversation with myself trying to express thoughts and um, get them down digitally. You know, I used to keep a, a journal when I was younger and it lasted about two weeks because I was, um, nah, it probably lasted about maybe three months, I'd say. Because I read um, Nikki Six's book, The Heroin Diaries, and how he kept a journal through like all these heroin stages between when he was like sober, going to rehab and like getting back on heroin and like touring. Like it's a crazy book. And I got the idea from that and I thought, that's awesome. I'm going to try and do that. And then I tried to document <laughs> my like experiences with like um, extracurricular paraphernalia. And one, I couldn't do it when I was doing it. I couldn't write it because I was just hanging out with friends or whatever. And then afterwards I would like go to sleep or I watched like a cool car movie. <laughs> My go-to was like vanishing point watching vanishing point. That is like the coolest movie to watch while you're um, inebriated. Cause it's just such a epic movie. If you haven't seen vanishing point, go and watch it. That is like the coolest car movie ever. Ever, I would say that is definitely my top. That's that's number one car movie for sure. Vanishing Point. That is just it's just so great because that goes back to like the golf thing. This dude's like anti-establishment, anti anti everything. He just delivers cars. <laughs> used to be a race car driver, and then he used to be a cop, and now he just delivers cars from like state to state <laughs> like what a fall from grace but what an absolute legend you know do what you do what you love doing and um yeah it's so awesome <laughs> i love vanishing point um so i'm gonna do like a bit of a game thing is i'm really a game from my youth was mafia one on pc and I remember playing it on my godfather's brother's computer. And it was the coolest thing. I was like, I really like mob history. And it was like the coolest thing. Like they made a video game <laughs> about the mob. That is so cool. It's like, and they made it like prohibition era. And it, it was just so exciting. And I remember one level where you had to, what did you have to do? Maybe I don't remember. No, all I remember is you had to drive a race car around a track and then take the race car to somewhere in town and you couldn't break it. And because I was so bad at playing, because I usually play on a controller, I was so bad. I like had to do this mission about 30 times, I think. And then we ended up leaving. So I didn't actually do anything cool on it, I think. I think I did like shoot the Tommy gun or whatever, which was like a cool thing to see in any game, really. You could put a Tommy gun in any game and most people would enjoy it. 
I think, and the practicality of that gun is so, it's got such a small application. Like it was purely built for like gangsters. <laughs> like that gun was made for, cause I think it was like 10 kilos or something, maybe not, but it was like a really excessively heavy gun and you couldn't really take that in like times of war, like imagine carrying around um, like 10 kilos and then trying to hold 10 kilos to your shoulder to try and shoot it. Like that's crazy. Um, so I don't think it was actually a really good <laughs> application for war, but it like looks cool. That's uh, awesome. You know, I think all Thompson's just look awesome. All guns from like world war two look cool. They all look cool. Every single one of them. I remember seeing a picture of, I really like John Dillinger. Um, it's like a historical figure, even though he was like the baddest man on the planet. He was the baddest man on the planet. If he was alive today, he, oh, I don't know. He would be like larger than life they would have made a statue of him in his hometown. Like that guy was the absolute definition of anti-establishment and getting anything that he wanted. And like Johnny Depp's portrayal of it was so good. He looks so much like the actual John Dillinger. Like it was really uncanny. And like John Dillinger had this look that was just like, he was the baddest man on the planet. <laughs> He was, he was the baddest man on the planet. And he, um, he used to get guns like custom made. And, um, and like the things they do with guns now, like make the trigger smaller and, um, shave firing pins. So they shoot faster and like put grips on things and like put compensators on stuff. Like all the stuff they do today in like modern, like firearms, and in modern games, that's like the big thing with like game guns in games is having stuff to put on them. Not necessarily knowing like from a casual perspective, not knowing what they actually do, but having stuff on your gun is definitely like a cool thing to do. You can like custom build a gun that you can't shoot in real life, but you can have it on a video game and shoot like AI. That's cool. Um, anyway, he used to like pay this dude um, obviously money to <laughs> build guns for him. And like this, and I remember seeing this photo of, it was like a 1911, um, handgun, which is like, you know, a handgun, I guess it's like the, the standard handgun you see in most things. Um, and it was like customed to fit nine millimeter, nine millimeter, which was smaller than the 45, caliber round at talk and the um the front had like a seven ported compensator on the front and it had the grip off a thompson like drum mag machine gun on the front of this of this pistol and like it had like a really um small trigger so when it fired it would shoot like all 13 or 14 bullets at one time, like you're done, you know? And that's like, and the reason they had the compensator on it was to control the re recoil. So like the, the ports in a compensator, when the, the gun gets fired, like the, the, the fire or the gunpowder exploding out the front kind of, um, it directs all that energy down. So when the bullet comes out of the gun, the gun stays straight. So you can shoot more than one bullet in a straight line instead of shooting one and then shooting, basically pointing up, if that makes sense. It feels like it makes sense. But um, let's just Google it. You can Google anything these days. Just Google, if you Google John Dillinger's handgun um, or like hand machine pistol thing. Um, it's epic. And that's like a 1920s kind of like custom gun. That's cool. I mean, people are making these guns 
now. And people are like, oh, that's that's crazy cool. That's cool what you can do with a gun now. You could do that then. <laughs> like these guys was these guys were so bad. These criminals were so bad that they were like so forward thinking as far as like their firearms, their cars, and like they were just so ahead. Like there was if you had like if they used their their like genius for something good we would be a lot further than we are. Like if they chose to use um, their tactical expertise for like military application or they use their peacekeeping skills in like in the land of politicians instead of the, the land of negotiating drug deals and negotiating arms, I think like we'd be a pretty we'd be pretty far, far, uh, like pretty, we would have advanced quicker than we have now. You know, I think now we're starting to learn from how things were done. I think actually now we're actually trying to learn from history. So history isn't doomed to repeat itself. I feel like we are. And that's only my view. I really want that to be true. I really want it to be, um, history not repeating itself. But anyway, back on like Mafia, right? So they're remastering this game for the next gen console, which is the, um, the Xbox One. So this game, I'm pretty sure didn't come out on Xbox. I can't be too sure. I can't really remember. But it definitely came out on computer and it was epic on computer. The one level I did 20 times was epic. Um and I'm really, I'm really excited for them to get this game right. But here's the other end of it, right? So they remastered Mafia 2, which is a cool story. Mafia 2 has got a really cool story. And there's like a cool couple of nods they do to like the first game. And like there's cool nods to like um, kind of um, modern Mafia at that time. Like a lot of the like crime bosses are like real, like how they're kind of trying to represent how those bosses are like the bosses are in real life, even though it's a video game. Um, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of things in there that are true. And there's obviously a lot of things that are just blown up out of proportion. But, um, but yeah, so I played it on 360 and it was like the greatest game. I remember I played it at least four times, like finishing it through. And then the last time I did it on like the hardest difficulty because I was like, this is, I just, when I play a game, I, I try to play it on a difficulty that is harder than normal, unless it's like, unless it's so hard that I can't do. I had this weird thing of like playing Call of Duty games and like Battlefield games on the hardest difficulty. And I'd brag about it too. I'd be like, yeah, man, I beat this video game on the hardest difficulty. I'm the man. And people look at you like, oh, I guess that's cool. It'd be cooler now. If I did all those accomplishments I did 10 years ago now, people would probably go, yeah, that's pretty cool. But back then it was like, oh, yeah, sweet. What a weirdo. He just spent like six hours beating a Call of Duty campaign on the hardest difficulty. That guy clearly has no life, which is true. I clearly did have no life, but I clearly enjoyed myself because I'm happy to talk about it now. And I learned a lot from it. I think I learned a lot from that kind of experience. So, so they have remastered number two, Mafia 2, and then they put out a definitive edition of number three. I'm going to start with number two first because there's a lot to unpack in this whole thing. And I know it's like, am I like too far behind the buck talking about it? But it's something that's really annoyed me is that it sucked. <laughs> it really, really sucked. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe how they took a game that was so good and that was so good on 360, on the Xbox 360, and then they just made the same game 
it like wasn't remastered. It was just a game that was sh- shinier. <laughs> yeah, like there was a weird thing where like instead of making games look good, they just made it look shinier because <laughs> that that was like um how to like they're trying to show off like how to like their rendering of the image and like how it like doesn't look blotchy. So it just looked like everything was really shiny and that's all this looks like. It just looks like this. It doesn't look remastered. I'll say it. I'll say it. It doesn't look remastered. It looks like it's just been like put on Xbox one, the 360 version. I don't think you should call a definitive edition or a remastered edition or like, excuse me um or anything of that nature it's just mafia 2 with the add-ons and that sucks really 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 sucks i couldn't believe it i could believe it i still played it and what was like sadder was that i played it on the hardest difficulty and I only got stuck for like maybe half an hour, maybe a bit longer, maybe an hour on the very last mission. And Mafia 2 did this stupid thing where if you were in the middle of like, say a chapter, so you start like one chapter and then you would go like buy suits, buy guns, and then like, do some other stuff and then you died. You had to start the chapter again and get all that stuff again. <laughs> it was like the, it like almost made you not want to die more. Like it made you more strategic and more tactical in like a gangster game. I, I would say I played more tactical in mafia two 360 or Xbox one than any Call of Duty or Battlefield game. I was more strategic because I didn't want to lose that white tailored suit that I fought so hard for. And then without like spoiling it, there was like, I, there's a bit where you go to jail and then you come out and they have, they throw you like a party. And I thought, oh man, I'm going to wear like this cool white suit that I had before I went to jail. And then it's like this cool white tailored suit and, you know, it's very like Miami <laughs> looking cool suit, you know, like it's really cool. And then this mission, you end up covered in like dirt and other stuff. And then you don't get to wear this. And then the suit just looks dirty now. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Like they still give you the suit. He tells you to go burn it or whatever. But then, like, you still get the suit and it's dirty. What are you going to ruin a good suit for? And you can't buy the suit unless you go back, start the game again and do everything again. You know, that's what really got me as well is, like, you couldn't buy the old stuff in the newer chapters before you went to... I guess, oh, I get... No, I guess that doesn't bother me that much. I feel... No, it does. It does bother me, but... It's not, it's something that sh- it comes back to me just being petty and like, it shouldn't bother me all that much, but it does bother me a little bit because that was a really nice suit. That was probably the best thing about Mafia 2 was that you could just go into the suit place and just buy heaps of suits. Cause that's like, that, that feels like a very mob thing to do. <laughs> like a very gangster thing to do is just go and buy heaps of like tailored custom suits. That feels awesome. I'd love to do that. That's like, well, I did do it. I did it on Mafia too. So that's kind of the accomplishment um, that I kind of wanted. So I didn't, um, yeah. So the driving in that game is pretty, uh, it's just average. It's like just classic Xbox 360 game where, the um, shooting mechanics is like okay, but like the the way you shoot enemies, like they just like do these weird like over dramatic twirls. It's strange. It's like 
Call of Duty Modern Warfare 1, the first one, the 07 one, like when you would shoot someone, they did this weird thing where they would hold the top of their head and then they would do like a cartwheel back and then like do like this tap dancing routine. And that's like the same. Like it was just like you would shoot two or three guys and they would do this weird <laughs> like over-exaggerated, like, oh, my my shoulder, like it's really sore. And they do this weird, you know, like um, who's the guy that does Singing in the Rain? I can't remember, but they do like this weird singing in the rain thing. And then they like run back to their spot and then point the gun at you. Like it's really um, not realistic, but I, I don't know. I guess you don't play like a mafia gangster game that like glorifies the mafia and violence for realism, I guess. I would say you expect more realism from that though, than like a, a Mass Effect game, which is a lot realer. <laughs> like the themes are a lot realer than a mafia game. Um, anyway, so like I was happy to play the game on a new console, but I wasn't happy with the game product. I wasn't happy with them calling it remastered because it just felt like a cash grab. Yeah. I feel like a lot of remastered games, like we've got so many fond memories of them that they should probably just stay memories. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, it's the same with like a lot of films as well. Like if you remade Vanishing Point, I'd probably watch it and be really sad because it wouldn't be the same thing. It's not the same thing I'm watching. Like when you watch, um, what's like a resource, like Red Dawn, right? So Red Dawn, Swayze, Sheen, classic, classic classic Wolverines you know that is like an awesome movie and then they redid it with Hemsworth by the way I actually do really like Chris Hemsworth because my wife and son um asked for his autograph and he was actually really nice about it so shout out to Chris Hemsworth um but it wasn't very good (laughs) Red Dawn the remake was not very good at all that was like kicking nostalgia in the teeth and saying there's a new kid on the block and it's remastered. It's a definitive edition. It's redefined. It's more action packed. I actually like how Red Dawn, the first one, wasn't like, it was like a tactical movie, but it was also, it took into consideration that they were just kids. And then in this new one, they're like, they all turn into soup soldiers. (laughs) Like they all turn into like these crazy, you know, like these crazy, like war uh, veterans of the, of, um, of shooting people, you know? And like the first, the first one is, it feels like there's more themes. It feels like it's a bit more. You know, like they're shooting AK-47 bullets all over the place because they don't know how to shoot a gun. <laughs> they were taught by Patrick Swayze, you know. And if Patrick Swayze, rest in power, that's another rest in power one. If Patrick Swayze taught me how to shoot a gun, I would be that confident though because Swayze is the man. He is the man. I would be so happy if Patrick Swayze or Kurt Russell taught me how to shoot a gun. That'd be awesome in that scenario. Yeah, that'd be cool. But yeah, so yeah, nostalgia. Just let it be. It's called nostalgia. It's nostalgic for a reason. Like let it just live in our memories. Don't let it be this thing that you've ruined. So like... You can't say that there's not enough independent ideas that you can't make a movie based on independent ideas. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a movie out with Seth Rogen in it. I love Seth Rogen. But it's about a man who, <laughs> who like, pickles himself. Like, I haven't seen it. But, like, that's a pretty original thought. And then he wakes up 100 years later from being pickled. 
Like, that's awesome. That's a cool idea. Um, but yeah, I just don't understand. Well, I do understand, you know, it's the cash grab and it's marketing. It's like bringing um, a new audience to an old thing. Like you're not going to show a screening of like the old Red Dawn and a bunch of 18-year-olds are going to go see it. No, you put hunky Chris Hemsworth in it and then a bunch of 18-year-old um, boys, girls or whatever are going to come and see that movie, you know, where it flops or not, they're still going to come see it because Hemsworth, you know, he's a beautiful man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just don't think we need to play the nostalgic card anymore. I think, I think comic book movies are like the biggest one for it. That's like the biggest nostalgia ploy and some Disney movies, but they're all kind of the same. So like when you, I guess when you're making these, these movies, they're all derived from someone who wrote that in a comic book. And then someone read that and was like, that would make a sick movie, you know? And then they, you know, there's that nod that says, Oh, it's, it's written by the same guy that wrote that comic book 10 years ago. Like you gotta, you gotta check it out. Cause you know, you will be like nostalgic and like seeing his writing come to life on screen. That's like a big nostalgia thing, you know, like anyone that reads comic books and then they see their movie, you know, their comic book character come to life. That's like nostalgia. You're playing on like someone's childhood to like go and like pay and see that movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's like, that's the biggest one there because there's such a big catalog of comic books and there's such a massive audience for people that read comic books. And then there's such, it's such a movement when like all these like 30, 40 year old dudes have got like movies, you know, like the characters are coming alive, you know, like I think I was 20, um, in my like, like late twenties when like the Deadpool movie was announced and made and I was ecstatic because like you, you see like this comic book character that you're nostalgic about and like, you see him come to life on screen. That's awesome, man. It's the same Wolverine, you know, reading like X-Men comic comic books and uncanny X-Men and like new mutants and stuff. Like you see all those, all those characters from the X-Men comic books come to life in a, um, in a movie, whether they have a long roll, short roll, it's still nostalgic and it's still awesome. And it still brings back all these memories of like the adventures that they had in the comic book you read. You know, like that's the biggest, the biggest nostalgia play I think is comic books. Cause you just, you, you're preying on the people to, to like hold that value of like what it was. I, I you know, there's been many a conversation where, you know, I'll keep banging on about Deadpool, but he's just awesome. Hey, um, where, you know, Deadpool is like, he has all these crazy adventures all these maddening adventures and you can't wait for them to go to screen and you, you just can't wait, you know? And yeah, well, like, you know, it comes back to saying that you're a fan of something and then you, you really don't have proof, you know, like you can't, you can't say, Oh yeah, I was a fan before it was a movie. You know, it just doesn't like, it's not relevant anymore. Like people just like choose to like, believe you or not believe you. Like, it's not like, yeah, life isn't like public, like primary school, <laughs> you know, like you don't have to treat it that way. You don't have to be like the first person to like something. And then that automatically makes you like the popular choice to speak to about it. Yeah, you don't need to, um, you don't need to draw that kind of drama into your life because that just, that wouldn't be good. Anyway, back to these mafia games, right? So number one, excited. I really hope that um, I get to play it. And next week when I'm doing this, it's not just how much I don't like it. <laughs> but from what, I'm, from what I've heard, they're actually like rebuilding the game. So like I'm pretty optimistic. Um, yeah, I'll be pretty happy with it. Um, so number three. Number three I've got the biggest issue with and it's, it's not what you think the issue is. 
it's the issue of a Mafia 3 game where the first one you're in the Mafia, the second one you're in the Mafia, and the second one is basically about destroying the Mafia. <laughs> like, I don't understand how we got to... And in that time, like the 70s, is when the Mafia really grew its power in like, you know, they're obviously strong from like the 1920s to 1980 and like the 90s, as far as I know. And like in that, in like that 70s, like late 60s and 70s period, it was just this massive like power grab, you know, like they just had all these resources and now you're just destroying a whole mafia family. It's a cool story. Don't get me wrong. It's a cool story and it's an okay game. It had like a lot of bugs and it was another game that was just shiny. Everyone's foreheads were really shiny. <laughs> Everything was really shiny. <laughs> Everything. And the cars were like, uh, they're all right. But yeah, it was like... You know, you, you you work well with one person and they give you, like, you know, a better exhaust on your car. Like, <laughs> it's really not much risk versus reward. It's more like reward for, like, minimal the minimum you do. You can just kind of skate by with the minimum and, like, get what you want from all the people and then not have to deal with them ever again. It's like, yeah, it was a weird structure, like, trying to make you... They're trying to, they were trying to make you in the game, um, you're like an enforcer for the mafia or whatever. And then you go to Vietnam and then you come back and then the mafia betrays you. So you take it on your own personal mission to destroy the mafia and become a mafia. <laughs> and I, I know what you're thinking. Well, I don't know what you're thinking, actually, because, you know, all of, like, the six people that might listen to this um, may or may not know. But the main character is African-American, and it has nothing to do with it. And I'm only pointing it out so I don't sound really single-minded because that's probably the best thing about it is that you're not an Italian-American. That is the best thing about the game is that you are a um, an Af- you are an African American beating up the mob and like destroying the mob and like that's so cool like it's a cool thing but it shouldn't have been the game like that shouldn't be Mafia Three that could have been called any other game and it still would have sold. I think it would have sold better if it was away from the Mafia 3 franchise. I reckon. I think so. I think if you marketed and sold that game as not Mafia 3, as like um, Lincoln Clay, the liberator of stuff. (laughs) I don't know. But you could call it, you, you know, it doesn't matter what you call it. But I think that would have done better as, that would have done better as a game than calling it Mafia 3. Because Mafia 3 was all about um, your rise in the Mafia to how you're out of the Mafia. And then it was, you can grow up in the Mafia your whole life and then get betrayed or whatever and still be in the mafia. And then this one's about how you start in the mafia, then the mafia kills your whole family and then you take revenge on them. Like, I just don't feel like that's a good way to kind of end that trilogy of like having this. And there were so many endings. I mean, spoiled for choice. I mean, it wasn't like a mass effect ending where like the colors changed. It was like, um, they were all decent endings. I think I watched, I only finished, I finished it, I only did one playthrough. Um, 
and I kind of saved before the kind of end bit so I could watch like um, one or two bits, um, one or two endings. And I mean, they're both, they're both satisfying. They're both like a satisfying thing and it's a satisfying game, but it just would have done better as like not Mafia. It just would have been like, yeah, I don't know. It feels like they could have like done more with it too. Like it didn't have to be, excuse me, about like, it didn't have to be like a, a Mafia trilogy. They could have rounded it out with like, you be in this cool, like Mafia figure and you just end up in jail the rest of your life. Like that would have been better than, um, than being a begrudged soldier that wants to like take revenge. Revenge stories are cool though. They are, aren't they? They're pretty cool. Revenge stories are pretty cool, but that's not a mafia thing. Yeah. Don't really need to worry about that stuff when you're in the, Oh, well, yes, that's contradictory in itself. Cause like the mafia is all about like the mafia games are all about wronging, writing the wrongs that have, been done to you and your family and that um it comes all back down to like being anti-establishment how cool it is to be anti-establishment but also like how popular being anti-establishment is now that's like the most popular thing now is being um (laughs) anti-something being like anti-country music like anti-anything like that's like a big thing to be i want to be like anti something ridiculous anti-water i refuse to drink water because i'm against it (laughs) i feel like that um that wouldn't really last long i'd eventually have to drink water i actually really enjoy water water's actually really nice um shout out to water um, yeah, so Mafia, Mafia 1, hopefully it's really good. Um, I really want it to be really good. Yeah, I'm really, I've got really high hopes that that's going to be a really good, um, a really good game. And Marvel Avengers comes out in six days, I feel like, or it might be out tonight. Maybe it's out today. Anyway. Um, that's, that's me. I might wrap it up there. But um, thank you for listening to me just talk about um, Mafia, really. Yeah. That's all I spoke about. Oh, I'm Pop, pop Goff. Come on. Could you get more like contradictory... Then like that, pop golf. Anyway, all right. See you next time.